Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 9th of February, and my name is Helen Freer. Coming up on today's show, we have Norbert Rucker, who has an update for us on the oil market. We have Mathieu Rashte with us, and he's going to update us on his views on European banks. And then Nicola Jordan will fill us in on the Investment Committee's latest thoughts. But to begin with, I will give you a quick roundup of the latest market news. Let's start with the US then, where four Federal Reserve officials speaking at separate events said that the Fed does need to continue to raise interest rates to fight inflation. And they said that borrowing costs might peak at a higher level than was previously expected. Expectations of a more aggressive Fed have been growing since last week anyway, when we got the much stronger than expected jobs report. So digesting these hawkish comments, stocks had a negative day yesterday across all of the three major US markets. The S&P 500 lost 1.1%, with telecommunications by far the worst performing sector. The Nasdaq Composite fared worse than the S&P, losing 1.7% over the day. Alphabet was one of the biggest losers yesterday, with its shares falling 7.7%. Earlier on in Europe, it was a bit of a mixed picture. The French and Swedish indices closed slightly in the red. The Eurostock 50 index was flat and the other major indices all gained, although the moves weren't very big. The DAX was among the best performers and that closed up 0.6%. Turkey's stock exchange suspended trading for the first time in 24 years in the wake of the tragic earthquakes there and the subsequent sell-off on the market that erased billions of dollars from the value of its equities. Yields dropped in yesterday's trading, but in overnight trading in the US, the US two-year Treasury yield is up one basis point to 4.43%, and 10-year yields are steady at 3.61%. In commodities, the oil price has steadied after rallying around 7% now over the last three sessions. As I mentioned, we'll hear more on the oil market from Norbert in just a minute. G7 member states are talking about whether they should sanction companies in China, Iran and North Korea that they believe are providing Russia with parts and technology to help the Russian military. In Sweden, the Riksbank are meeting this morning and so we'll get their interest rate policy decision. Expectations are for a 50 basis point hike. And the Bank of England governor, Andrew Bailey, will testify to Parliament later this morning. In corporate news, Credit Suisse reported this morning and they had a worse than expected net loss in Q4 last year with losses driven by both the Wealth Division and the Investment Bank. There were a whole host of other companies reporting earnings today, including AstraZeneca, L'Oreal and Zurich Insurance. In terms of economic data, the UK RICS house price balance number came out overnight at minus 47. That's lower than the expected figure and actually shows the most widespread price falls in Britain's housing market since 2009. Preliminary CPI inflation figures for Germany came out this morning with a year-on-year figure of 8.7%. And Portugal trade balance data is due out at the end of the morning. Looking at markets in Asia this morning then, the Nikkei ended the day very slightly in the red, but when I looked a few minutes ago, both the Hang Seng Index and the CSI 300 were up well over 1%. And futures were in the green across Europe and the US when I looked a few minutes ago, pointing to a positive start to the day. So that's all from me, but let's talk more about oil now. And for that, I'll hand over to you, Norbert. What are your latest thoughts here? Yeah, thanks. Well, there's definitely two topics that are dominant on the oil market these days. It's first China's reopening and second, the uh, tightened embargo on Russia 
on the Western states. If you look at the first topic, this has been kind of the element driving the market mood upwards, really into positive, almost a bullish territory, explaining parts of the debounce, the, the rally we've seen since the beginning of the year. If you look at it fundamentally, uh, China's reopening, yes, definitely should lift oil demand out of the country a bit. But there's also other elements uh, to have a look at. Um, parts of China's economy continue to struggle, especially in the property sector. If you look back um, last year, not all segments, in fact, uh, experience setbacks. It's mainly the air travel segment, which should see a recovery, but which is a minor part of overall oil demand out of China. And last but not least, it seems like the entire kind of supply chain of oil domestically in China is well stocked, sees ample supplies. Thus, it's a positive impact, but it's not something that should derail uh, the oil market overall. If you turn to the Russian embargo, there we have seen some tightening over the weekend. You might have read it in the news that the uh, European Union basically stepped up the embargo on oil products. So no European Union country is now allowed to import oil products out of Russia. And alongside that, there was also an agreement in terms of price caps being applied to certain oil products. Um, the thing is that this story, which really has been creating some scarcity, or let's say some fears uh, late last year, turned out uh, to be well digestible by the oil market. Yes, it provided some sort of frictions. Yes, the logistic costs here and there went up. It's still um, that the oil product uh, margins, the track specs are elevated. But overall, the oil market absorbed very well the stringent embargo on all trade now between uh, Russia and the European Union, including the price cap. So we believe even also for oil products, this should not derail the oil market, um, that there is sufficient slack capacity in terms of logistics, talking about tankers, even talking about the insurance being given all from uh, non-Western trade partners. And thus um, the rerouting, which is a very big experiment experience since last year, should well be capable absorbed by the oil market. So overall, uh, we stick to our neutral view. We see uh, oil prices as fair at, at today's levels, and even going forward, we see them declining slightly. In fact, just as the market does itself when you look at the futures curve. Great, thank you very much, Norbert. Let's turn to equities now, and our head of equity strategy has confirmed a preference for European banks over US banks. Mathieu, great that you could join us this morning. Can you explain your rationale here? Sure. Good morning, Helen. Yes, um, you know, European banks have had already quite a strong start into the new year, but we believe there's more fuel in the tank to continue outperforming this year. So if you compare it to other cyclical sectors, um, their valuations are starting to get stretched. European banks are still quite attractively valued, both in absolute and relative uh, to the broad market, based on different valuation metrics, such as the forward P and also the price to ten tangible book value. But it's not only a call on valuation. So European banks are also currently show the best earnings momentum across the, uh, the subsectors. If you look at the results for the fourth quarter, um, they were quite strong across the board. And we think this trend of solid net interest momentum will continue to hold while credit losses uh, should remain quite moderate at this stage. And, you know, at current levels, this better earnings outlook is not fully baked in to the share prices. And the last point uh, I, I want to raise here is that European banks are in the top of the league table when it comes to returning cash to shareholders. So if you look, for example, at the dividend yield, the dividend yield on average is already above 5%. And in addition to that, European banks are on average buying back 3.3% of their shares um, every year. So if you add both together, 
European banks are returning roughly 8.5% of their market capitalization back to investors this year. So, you know, in a nutshell, when it comes to European banks, you really have a mix of attractive valuation, strong earnings momentum, and market-leading shareholder cash returns. In Europe, though, we've seen quite a decline in private sector credit growth. Is that something that you think should be a concern when investing in European banks? Yeah, it's a good point that you raise. Yes, we have seen this decline, but and this, you know, could translate into a slight headwind. But remember that the majority of the growth um, in earnings is really coming from better interest margins and not really from loan growth. So you could even argue that it's slightly positive because if you have less credit growth, this means you have less risk-weighted assets and therefore more ability for share buybacks um, down the road. So we obviously follow this indicator. We think it's quite important um, for any signs, but uh, so far it shouldn't be really a game changer when it comes to investing in, in European bank stocks. Okay, thank you very much, Mathieu. Nicola, thank you for joining us on today's show as well. You're here to update us on this week's Investment Committee meeting. So over to you. Well, thank you, Helen, and good morning, everyone. So the latest workforce data coming out of the US has strengthened our view that we have entered a new bull cycle that will last for several months. Interestingly enough, the US unemployment is at its lowest level since 1969. So if we were in a recession, it would definitely be a very new kind with full employment. One possible interpretation of the current positive employment figures is that some of those who had left the workforce during the pandemic are now returning to work, easing the supply shortage of available workers. But as always in the current market environment, positive news also has some negative connotation to it. While pessimists were very quick to suggest that this resilience in the labor market will kill off any prospects of a rate cut by the Fed in the second half of the year and that equity markets are bound to be disappointed soon. Well, we are not very convinced by this argument, to be honest. What does this mean then? What conclusions do you draw from this? Well, first of all, we think that in general it is very positive that continuous disinflation and negative interest rates are a thing of the past. We think it is healthy for the system that capital has a cost and liquidity is not available for free. This also implies that the era of information technology giants like the FANGs is coming to an end. But of course, the search for the next leadership is proving to be very tricky, especially in these early stages. But as we do not believe in a broad-based commodity supercycle, it is not a given that the next shift in leadership will take us to materials or oil and gas stocks. And with a new paradigm of much higher average nominal growth going forward, sectors that previously struggled in an environment of low nominal growth should have a tailwind. Public equity markets continue to provide the cash returning mechanism for shareholders. And we heard, just heard from Mathieu in more detail, we actually think that banks are an interesting new addition to this trend, which could eventually last longer than is currently being discounted. That's it from my side. Back to you, Helen. Great. Thank you very much, Nicola. So that's all for today. Thank you to our speakers this morning and thank you everybody for tuning in. I wish you all a great day and do join us again tomorrow when we will have updates for you on currencies and digital assets. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.
Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Baer experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.